Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) I'm in Arizona. I'm looking out at cactuses and things like that. Lots of cactus, palm trees. It's beautiful. Bougainvillea, beautiful desert plants. And I am grateful to join with you in this holy instant that we have set aside for our quickening, our healing, our transformation. So let's begin, as we always do, with a blessing and a prayer. Grateful to share that with you right now. So grateful to take this breath of love and gratitude. So grateful to open our hearts. We place our hand upon our heart. So willing to have a healing. So willing to quicken our awakening, so willing to recognize and remember the truth, so willing to express and experience love instead of lack, attack, limitation, and separation. We are grateful and thankful to open ourselves to an unprecedented healing and transformation. We are grateful and we are thankful to open ourselves to the fullest expressions of our own holiness. We gather together for this purpose of transformation, transcendence, and we are grateful to invoke that higher Holy Spirit self into our awareness. We're putting the Holy Spirit in charge. We are willing to have a healing here and now, and we share the benefits with everyone because we're one with them. In gratitude, we let it be. We know it's done. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. (laughs) Yes. And my topic this week is quickening your awakening. And I'm so grateful for this topic. It's wonderful. One of the things that is a constant theme in the course is basically don't wait don't tarry don't miss the opportunity for the quickening and for the healing and for the awakening seize the moment seize the day seize the opportunity that is always there for us and how many times did I used to miss the opportunity? Not that I still don't, but oh my gosh, I missed so many opportunities for my quickening and my healing. I was constantly delaying and putting it off, making something completely without significance more important because of that identification with the small selfish self. Oh, yeah. In um, Chapter 7, Section 8, which is entitled The Unbelievable Belief, (laughs) in Paragraph 5, it says in italics, Do not be afraid of the ego. It depends on your mind. And as you made it, the ego, by believing in it, So you can dispel it by withdrawing belief from it. Do not project the responsibility for your belief in it, the ego, onto anyone else, or you will preserve the belief. So in other words, don't blame anyone else for your crazy thinking. Don't blame your parents. Don't blame your family. Don't blame the culture. Don't blame anyone. You're one with everyone, so why project that responsibility out onto someone else? When you are willing to accept sole responsibility for the ego's existence, you will have laid aside all anger and all attack because they come from an attempt 
to project responsibility for your own errors. But having accepted the errors as yours, do not keep them. Give them over quickly to the Holy Spirit to be undone completely so that all their effects will vanish from your mind and from the sonship as a whole. There it is, right there. Take total responsibility, sole responsibility for your belief in the ego and let the Holy Spirit know you're done. Check, please. Not interested anymore. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know that one of the tools that I used and continue to use is to say to the Holy Spirit, when I recognize an errant thought, uh, uh, ego thought, say, please take this thought out of my mind so I never think it again. I'm done with it. I don't have a value of it anymore. I'm complete. And by giving it, as it says here, give them over quickly to the Holy Spirit to be undone completely so that all their effects will vanish from your mind and from the sonship as a whole. And that's one of the aspects of that prayer when I make that offering to the Holy Spirit of the crazy thinking, I say, please take these thoughts out of my mind so I never think them again and do the same for everyone else who has this crazy thought or any thought like it. Just think if we all did this, we could get it done immediately and without delay. So let's begin today. There's the Holy Spirit rhyming. <laughs> Let's do it without delay. So it can be done today, 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 today. Yeah. Um, you know, in the course, one of the teachings is I need do nothing. I need do nothing. And it also says to do anything involves the body. So it says if we can just understand that we don't need to do anything, there's nothing related to the body that we need to do in order to quicken our awakening. Then we are also simultaneously taking that body from a celebrity status, an important status, to a nothing status. So quickening our awakening has nothing to do with the body, it has nothing to do with eating vegetarian or vegan. It has nothing to do with abstinence of any kind. It has nothing to do with anything related to the body. It's all about the mind. It's all about the mind. Yep. Do not be afraid of the ego. It depends on your mind as you made it by believing in it. So you can dispel it by withdrawing belief in it. And this, this is the thing that for us, it's hard to believe that it's that simple. That we can quickly, easily increase our awakening that we can choose miracles that miracles with are within our choice this is hard to believe but we can we can choose miracles yes so it's that thing of working with the holy spirit so closely that we're in tune with that Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you also know that I say, I, I call the Holy Spirit the higher Holy Spirit self, because I think Gary Renard and I were talking about this recently, that, or David Hoffmeister, that I call it the higher Holy Spirit self because many course students do, I think, unintentionally, unwittingly, 
think of the Holy Spirit as being separate, but it's not. It really is our own holiness. And so to say to our own holiness, you decide for me. You decide the direction of my day. You decide what is for me to focus on this day. You decide what's for me to do. And I've been talking about this quite a bit lately in classes. Uh, In Masterful Living, we are looking at best practices all the time and how can we quicken our awakening. And we really are focused on the active practice of quickening our awakening, not just talking about it, but truly living A Course in Miracles. And so we are looking at the, the active practice of awakening. And it is quite mind-blowing how quickly we can have transformation when we have a strong practice of recognizing I need do nothing. It's not about the doing, it's about the willingness. And willingness is so much more than saying I am willing. Because we can say, oh, I'm willing to forgive my brothers and sisters But that is not the same as true forgiveness. We can say, I am willing to extend patience and kindness and generosity. But that is not the same as actively doing it. And to do it when it feels really challenging and to really partner up with the Holy Spirit. What are the most common things that slows us down? One of the biggest forms of self-sabotage is to really fear turning our life over to that higher Holy Spirit self. It is the fear that keeps us all identified with the small selfish self that we made. So saying to the Holy Spirit, you decide for me and in a sense, leaving that prayer on the altar and being willing to recognize all the false idols that we have made that are running our experience. And as we see them, rather than trying to let them go, giving them to that higher Holy Spirit self and say, This I'm turning over to you. This special relationship with my dog, I'm turning it over to you. This special relationship with my nephew, my niece, my cousin, I'm turning it over to you. This special relationship with my lover, I'm turning it over to you. This special relationship with my coworker, with my job, this, this way that I idolize my position at work and I'm striving so hard to keep my job or this or that, I'm turning it all over to you, Spirit. We fear doing that, which is totally understandable to me because I've had the experience of doing precisely that and then within hours being relieved of my job and then not knowing, oh, now how am I going to support myself? How am I going to pay my bills? And the answer coming back to me is trust. What? (laughs) What? No, anything but that. Right? So, and then deciding, okay, this is it, folks. This is where I learn radical trust and faith. And then discovering, oh, here's, here's the bonus. Now my mother, who's been so ill, she's going into hospice. I can go and be with her. I can go and care for her. But if I were working that job, it would be much harder 
So this is what the spirit had in mind. I have an intention to have a completely and wholly loving, holy relationship with my mother. This is my opportunity to have that. I'm going to take it. It's happening now. And throwing myself into that, giving up the false idols of even caring how I'm going to pay my bills. And still managing to do it, maybe going into debt, but then eventually that debt got resolved and paid off. But in the moment, I was choosing love. In the moment, I was saying, spirit is leading me and guiding me. I'm going to go where spirit is taking me. This is how we quicken our awakening is by listening to spirit. And then people uh, ask me all the time, how do you know what is the voice for God? How do you know what is the ego and what is spirit? And it's not complicated. Number one, of course, you have to be really willing to discern. It has to be your goal to be able to discern. And in order to have that discernment as your goal, quite frankly, you have to have the deep desire to hear the voice for God and to follow the voice for God. And that's where many people back away. They do not wish to say, thy will be mine. Sometimes I'll, in a counseling session, I'll suggest, I think if you start praying, thy will be mine, the clarity you desire will come. And it's most common that people would immediately go, uh, uh, no, no, I, I can't do that. Uh, that scares me. That terrifies me. It terrifies the ego-identified person, understandably, understandably. There's that level of trust and faith is not there. That's why A Course in Miracles is very clear in the manual for teachers that trust is the number one characteristic of God. So in my year-long Masterful Living course, I do one-on-ones with everybody in the class who would like to do them, and um, everything's optional in the class, so people can go at their own pace. But um, many times, almost always, when we're doing the one-on-ones, the issue people come up and say, this is my big issue, it's trust. It's like, yeah, you're just like everybody else. Trust is the big issue, and that's why we focus on it in Masterful Living, proving that we can trust the higher Holy Spirit self, that we will be led and guided to the very highest and best if we're willing to trust. If we're not willing to trust, we're going to continue to learn through pain and suffering. But if we're willing to trust, we can learn through joy We can learn through happiness. We can learn through love in ways that are fulfilling and exciting and thrilling and and so interesting. And and it's just remarkable. But we won't find that out until we're willing to trust. And this is why it's so valuable and so important that we join together with others and do this work with others. So Course in Miracles is a self-study course, but it also tells us that when we join with our brothers and sisters, everything quickens. It quickens and quickens and quickens. So one of the things uh, that I can tell you is very helpful. It's in Chapter 19, Section 3, which is entitled The Unreality of Sin. In paragraph eight, it starts with, if sin is real, it must forever beyond, be beyond the hope of healing. But sin is not real. And it says, for there would be a power beyond God's capable of making another will that could attack God's will and overcome it and give God's son 
a will apart from God's and stronger. And then each part of God's fragmented creation would have a different will opposed to God and in eternal opposition to God and to each other. Your holy relationship has, as its own purpose now, the goal of proving this is impossible. So this is why one of the main, main things that we can use for quickening, it's one of the focuses of our year-long Masterful Living, is relationship. Because we can have miraculous healing in our relationships, and it's such a relief Because if we're not having miraculous healing in our relationships, it's because we are the resistant ones. It only takes one in the relationship to have a holy relationship. Truly, it only takes one because there is only one. (laughs) So in, you know, chapter 19, you're past the the special relationship, holy relationship stuff. So Jesus is saying to us here, your holy relationship has as its purpose now the goal of proving that this um, opposition to God is impossible. Heaven has smiled upon it and the belief in sin has been uprooted in its smile of love. You see it still, okay? You still see the the um, belief in sin because you do not realize that its foundation has gone. So you still see it <coughs> because you do not realize its foundation has gone. Its source has been removed. And so it can be cherished, but a little while before it vanishes. Only the habit of looking for it still remains. Now, here's the part that I'm leading to here. And yet, this is paragraph 9, chapter 19, section 3, paragraph 9. And yet you look with heaven's smile upon your lips and heaven's blessing on your sight. You will not see sin long, for in the new perception, the mind corrects it when it seems to be seen and it becomes invisible. This is the quickening work. This is what we do in Masterful Living is we're training our mind to see what's true and to stop seeing what's false. This is what A Course in Miracles is a mind training for, to stop seeing what's false and start seeing what's true, only seeing what's true. It does take a great willingness, so we practice the willingness. For in, uh, sorry, excuse me, paragraph nine, and yet you look with heaven's smile upon your lips and heaven's blessing on your sight. You will not see sin long, For in the new perception, the mind corrects it when it seems to be seen and it becomes invisible. Errors are quickly recognized and quickly given to correction to be healed, not hidden. You will be healed of sin. It's really the belief in sin. And all its ravages, the instant you give it no power over your brother and you will help him overcome mistakes by joyously releasing him from the belief in sin. In the holy instant, you will see the smile of heaven shining on both you and your brother. And you will shine upon him, your brother, in glad acknowledgement of the grace that has been given you. For sin will not prevail against a union. Heaven. Oh, I lost my place. Um, Yes, a union heaven has smiled upon. Yes, 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 yes. Mm. 
Yes. But can we do this work if we feel unworthy of love? Can we actually do it? Can we, can we do it? Yes, we can. But we do have to be willing to give up all the investment we have in unworthiness. And believe me, we have invested heavily in unworthiness. Remember a few months ago, back in September, I was doing those unworthiness uh, episodes. Well, that's the part we, we can really put our focus and attention on. And that's what we're doing. I've, I've got classes for that. <laughs> and they're coming right up. Yes. You know what else is coming right up? It's the break. So I'm going to be returning to this on how we can quickly give these errors to correction for the Holy Spirit. It can become our new habit. And then we can set ourselves free, take our brothers and sisters with us all the way. It's fabulous. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio, where we're living the love, we're walking the talk, and we'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Welcome back. Hmm. You know, I love, 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 love sharing A Course in Miracles. And I'm thinking of the section, The Happy Learner, because I never imagined I could become the happy learner because I was so addicted to holding grievances and to being bothered by things. And so it never occurred to me that I could possibly really become that happy learner. And why I am sharing in classes and in this podcast so frequently, writing my daily spiritual espresso, my daily shot of spiritual espresso, recording that prayer every day. I realized the, just the other day that I had been doing that daily prayer, except for a two-week break I took, um, I don't know, eight or so years ago. Um, I've been doing it every day since 1997. Yeah, sometime in 1997, maybe in the spring, I started it. And I love doing all of this. And I love it because it's really the purpose of my life is to remember the truth and value the truth. And I used to value the story I made up so much. And I see that it interest in that is fading away. And this is a time of great quickening if we desire it. And I understand what a leap it is to say, thy will be mine. And to say, I'm willing to give up all my attachments to everything in my life. I understand how frightening that can be. But it's only frightening because we perceive it as it's going to make us unhappy so for me the the way I've started to recognize my life is going is that for me it's joining with other people who see the goal as accepting the atonement for ourselves accepting the atonement means the realization that separation never occurred that it could never occur, it will never occur, and that our experience in this world is a projection and that we can transcend it 
and we can transcend it in ways we don't even understand or comprehend. But we can comprehend it if we're willing. We can transcend, we can comprehend if we're willing. So our willingness is all that is required. And valuing truth above all else is necessary to liberate. In Actually, in the section for the happy learner, uh, that's chapter 14 of the text, section 2, paragraph 5, it says, when you teach anyone that truth is true, you learn it with him. And that's what I'm doing with you right now. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and so it says, you learn that what seems hardest was the easiest. Learn to be a happy learner. You will never learn how to make nothing everything. <laughs> you see that this has been your goal and recognize how foolish it has been. So our goal, until we decide to be the happy learner and have holy relationships, our goal has been to make nothing everything. And when you see that this has been your goal in the past, you will recognize how foolish it's been. But I also think we don't have to judge it as foolish. It just that's what we decided. We're going to learn from that nonetheless. Be glad it is undone. For when you look at it in simple honesty, it is undone. In other words, everything that we have done in the past, it really has no power. And so it's undone instantly the minute that we, the moment, the second, the mind recognize, oh, that that's not of interest to me anymore. It's all undone. Be glad it is undone, for when you look at it in simple honesty, it is undone. I said before, Jesus says, be not content with nothing, for you have believed that nothing could content you. It is not so. We can never be content with illusions and delusions. He says, in paragraph six, if you would be a happy learner, you must give everything you've learned to the Holy Spirit to be unlearned for you. I love that. I love that so much. We don't have to do the unlearning. We just have to be willing to have it unlearned for us. So this is the practice that I started saying, not even having read this. Spirit taught me, just give it to the Holy Spirit for healing. Holy Spirit, take these thoughts out of my mind so I never think them again. I'm no longer interested in them. They are no part of me. I do not value them anymore. I will not think them. I was teaching a class the other day and sharing what I was, my work with the Holy Spirit when my mom was so sick and I was so determined to have a holy relationship with her. I would get down on my knees when I was feeling uh, so attached to my judgments and opinions about my mother's protocols and her healing and what she should do and not do and myself and all the guilt and the shame and the blame and the regret and the resentment coming up for healing. And I would get overwhelmed with my attachments to my perspective my painful, painful perspective. I would get down on my knees and I would say, Holy Spirit, I will not think these thoughts. I will not. They are no part of me. They have no value to me. Take them out of my mind so I never think them again and do the same for everyone else who has thoughts like this. We are choosing freedom. I am choosing freedom. I refuse to think these thoughts another moment. And I might have to do that a few times. I might have to do that a hundred times. But eventually, I will really mean it. And I will be 51% more clear that I mean it 
then that I don't. And then once you reach that tipping point, then the Holy Spirit, in my experience, will remove it from your mind. You must give everything you have learned to the Holy Spirit to be unlearned for you. And then begin to learn the joyous lessons that come quickly on the firm foundation that truth is true. For what is builded there on the rock of truth is true and built on truth. The universe of learning will open up before you in all its gracious simplicity with truth before you. You will not look back. So that's the thing, valuing the truth. Let the truth be revealed to me. Uh, I talk with many people who are upset by things in their life. Many people who are upset by politics. And I understand that. I understand that. I've been upset by politics, too. And for me, what has completely eliminated the upset is to go right to may truth be revealed and love prevail. Let truth be revealed and love prevail. So I stand in the awareness that truth is being revealed and love is prevailing There can be no other way. We live in a progressive universe. It's not regressive, it's progressive. And that means that truth is being revealed. Love is prevailing. And let us contribute our mind to that cause. If we are looking at sin and labeling it, We can't do that. We can't do both. We can't be on both tracks uh, at the same time. Now, let me take you to chapter 12. Okay, this is a good one. Section three, like there's bad ones. (laughs) Chapter 12, section three, the investment in reality. I love this starts off with, I once asked you to sell all you have and give to the poor and follow me. This is what I meant. If you have no investment in anything in this world, you can teach the poor where their treasure is. The poor are merely those who have invested wrongly and they are poor indeed. Because they are in need, it is given you to help them, since you are among them. Consider how perfectly your lesson would be learned if you were unwilling to share their poverty. For poverty is lack, and there is but one lack, since there is but one need. Suppose a brother insists on having you do something you think you do not want to do. His very insistence should tell you that he believes salvation lies in it. If you insist on refusing and experience a quick response of opposition, you are believing that your salvation lies in not doing it. And this is the kind of political argument that we see all the time. And here in the United States, Thanksgiving is day after tomorrow. A lot of people are concerned about having politics at the dinner table at Thanksgiving. I know one of my dear friends who is coming is a staunch Republican, and it could come up some some political conversation the entire rest of our group is liberal and in our politics, but I am interested in one thing and one thing only in our political situation. Let truth be revealed. May love prevail. That's what I'm interested in for our Thanksgiving dinner as well. And I speak as someone who has ruined Thanksgiving dinner in my house on my birthday. 
and and many other things because my birthday frequently falls as it does this year on Thanksgiving. So this year we can have politics, but we can also have truth and love. Truth be revealed, love prevail. I give it to the Holy Spirit. And I don't have any interest in talking about politics at Thanksgiving. So here's the thing now. Let's say someone brings up an opposing political view to you. Or it could just be that you think someone should do this with their life and they think they should do that with their life. Or, Or you think you should do something in your investments and somebody else thinks you should do something. It doesn't matter. You have some kind of a disagreement, right? And a brother insists on having you do something you think you do not want to do or think, believe, care about something that you don't have an interest in. His very insistence should tell you that he believes salvation lies in it. And if you insist on refusing and you experience that quick response of opposition, like that heat, that fire, that kundalini that rises up and goes, oh no, not on my watch. You're believing that your salvation lies in not doing it. You then are making the same mistake he is and are making his error real to both of you. Insistence means investment. And what you invest in is always related to your notion of salvation. The question is always twofold. First, what is to be saved? And second, how can it be saved? Okay, so let's think about this. Let's make every argument of insistence like this, that someone's wrong and someone's right, a matter of salvation. So the question is always twofold. First, what is to be saved? And second, how can it be saved? All right. So let's break this down just a little bit further before we go on. So what are the kinds of things that we might be trying to save in an argument? Right. We're trying to save... Uh, or protect this idea that someone knows what's right and someone is wrong. But salvation does not come from that. Salvation of the ego does. The ego always needs to be right and fears death in being wrong. So for me, one of the very most healing, hmm, what's the word, strategies that I got in healing my life was because I was a former control freak and I needed to always be right and I needed to tell everybody what to do and decide what was best for them. And that was really my modus operandi in realizing that I was ruining my life through trying to control what can never be controlled. And, and this was well before I found A Course in Miracles. This was before I started going to Agape or lived in California. This is back when I lived in New York in the 80s. I had this realization of how miserable uh, being a control freak was making me. And I remember thinking at the time, they should have a 12-step program for control freaks. But then thinking about it another minute, I realized, oh, God, no. Who Who would run the meeting? How would that work? No, 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 no. Control freaks have to go it alone. Um. And, I mean, I was entrenched in being controlling. So I found great healing in recognizing I actually have more peace when I'm not in control. And other people can decide and even spirit can decide for me. And I can then experience something different. 
I can learn to stop saying this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong, that I actually can be so much happier if I let spirit decide for me and I let other people decide. Yeah, it might not be my favorite restaurant that we're going to go to or my favorite kind of food, but maybe I can have a a learning experience. Maybe I can discover something I would otherwise not have discovered, you know, because we can get wrapped up into what's right and what's wrong in terms of doing Thanksgiving dinner or having Thanksgiving dinner, what should be done on Thanksgiving. I've done all kinds of things on Thanksgiving. Just hung out by myself the entire day definitely done that a couple of times ate whatever I felt like did whatever I felt like meditated all day all kinds of things there's no right or wrong how could there be but we can think that there is so check this out we're back to what is to be saved like is the personality to be saved is the uh what what is to be saved the attachment to the past and how can it be saved? What if we're going to save our spirit instead? What if we're going to save humanity instead through accepting the atonement for ourselves? He says here, now this is chapter 12, section 3, paragraph 3 in The Happy Learner. Whenever you become angry with a brother... For whatever reason, you are believing that the ego is to be saved and to be saved by attack, right? That's how the ego gets saved, by attack. If he attacks, you are agreeing with this belief. And if you attack, you are reinforcing it. Remember that those who attack are poor. Their poverty asks for gifts, not for further impoverishment. You who could help them are surely acting destructively if you accept their poverty as yours. If you had not invested as they had, it would never occur to you to overlook their need. Recognize what does not matter. And if your brothers ask for something outrageous, do it because it does not matter. Refuse and your opposition established that it does matter to you. So if someone, if there's an upset about what's to be served at Thanksgiving dinner, if there's an upset about what restaurant to go to, if there's an upset about what movie to watch, if there's an upset about anything, recognize that if you are going to insist that someone is right and someone is wrong, then you are refusing to be the happy learner. You're refusing to align with the Holy Spirit, and you are reinforcing this sense of lack, attack, limitation, and separation by your own free will choice. That's what I learned. He says a bit further here, because uh, this is challenging. This is challenging. But it is quickening when we're willing to practice it. It is only you, therefore, who have made the request outrageous, and every request of a brother is for you. Why would you insist in denying him? For to do so is to deny yourself and impoverish both. He is asking for salvation as you are. Poverty is of the ego and never of God. No outrageous request can be made of one who recognizes what is valuable and wants to accept nothing else. I have learned the power of this to go along with my brothers and sisters in what seemed like outrageous requests to do things like 
go visit someone and talk with someone or look at something or eat something or try something or do something that my initial ego reaction is no, never, not doing that. But to say, wait a minute, wait a minute, here's an opportunity to practice not being in opposition. Now, obviously, if somebody said to me, let's all do heroin, let's all do heroin, I don't have to argue, you see. I don't have to say, no, no, that's crazy. We're not doing that. I'm not doing that. Forget that. I don't have to argue. I can just say, hmm, do I feel like doing that? I don't, I don't feel like doing that. What other ideas do you have? If you want to do heroin, go ahead, do heroin. But eh, I don't think so. You see, we don't have to be in opposition. We don't have to make it a bad, wrong, a sin in order to just say, eh, I don't think so. And then we're, we're not in that place of opposition, insistence, refusal, that is that ego battle. Not making it wrong or bad is a wonderful tool that we can use. Just say, hmm, what do I really feel like? I don't think so. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe we are at about time here. So as it is Thanksgiving week and it is my birthday week, uh, I would just like to say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being a part of my life and for being connected with me by means of this podcast. I love and appreciate you, and I thank you for your well wishes. I thank you for your prayers, and I do ask for them. And I ask for prayers for the Power of Love Ministry, that we are successful in supporting people in the highest and best way. We do have wonderful offerings, free offerings, paid offerings, all kinds of offerings. And we just did a whole free series of free forgiveness workshops. We've got paid classes of forgiveness, unworthiness, and even the Enneagram all coming up right right away. So I love you and appreciate you. I thank God for you. And... Let us speak a word of prayer together here. Hand on my heart. I am grateful and thankful for this opportunity to live a life of love and to remember the true identity, our holiness. So grateful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and claim a healing for each and every one on this planet. In gratitude, we share the benefits with all. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Amen.